Hello and welcome to The Gaily Planet, a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Poison Ivy apologist, Jesse Blount. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, today we are talking about 1997's Batman and Robin. We sure are, because this is week two of summer camp, where we talk about camping movies all summer, and it's so fun. And for everyone who loves superhero movies, here is a campy one. The campiest one. Um, Yeah, before we start, before I tell you what this movie is about, um, just a reminder, we're having a live recording of our episode about Rocky Horror on July 29th, so keep an eye out for the ticket release. That's on Zoom, so everyone can come. It's going to be really fun. We will play games, or we'll be wearing costumes, you'll be wearing costumes. It's going to be great. Um, Also, you should definitely check out our merch. This It's almost the end of Pride Month when you're listening to this, but it's never too late to buy some excellent queer merch. Um, And we have really good stuff, including Camp Ruthless shirts and stickers that are great. Yeah. Outfit yourself for um, Gay Wrath Month. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we're on Patreon. This is a fully, not just this podcast, Jesse and I are fully listener funded (laughs) individuals. This is our job, and you can help make that true on Patreon. Yes, there is no other staff of Hashtag Ruthless besides the two of us. Yep. So if you want to continue having some uh, feminist analysis and queer joy in your ears, consider buying one of our some of our merch or joining our Patreon. Or our sticker club. Or leaving us a five-star review so other people know that we're awesome and will listen in. And maybe will feel like opening their wallets. Hell yeah. And when you do leave that five-star review, take a screenshot and email us a copy at hashtag ruthlesspods at gmail.com. And 10 of the first 50 people who do that will get a sticker from us. So that's cool. And everything will be in the show notes. And now I'm going to tell you what Batman and Robin is about. <laughs> okay. Batman and Robin, or as I like to call it, gay people love puns, the movie, (laughs) is about a billionaire from Gotham City, or as I like to call him, that hunky Bruce Wayne guy, who moonlights, batlights, as a high-tech superhero alongside his sidekick Robin to save Gotham from a rotating cast of batshit villains, all of whom are more sympathetic than the bat himself. In this movie, we have two baddies, Mr. Freeze, an Olympic athlete slash brilliant scientist who is trying to save his cryogenically frozen wife from a fatal disease and requires a lot of diamonds to power his machinery. Also, he fell in some cryogen solution or something, and now he's all blue and sparkly and has to stay below zero degrees and can only speak in cold-related puns. Our other big bad is Poison Ivy, a former lesbian biologist turned sexy eco-terrorist thanks to a bath of plant-based toxins. Now she can control plants and also men thanks to some sort of pheromone powder. 
Our side players are Batman's butler slash chosen dad, Alfred, who is dying of the same disease as Mr. Freeze's wife, convenient, Alfred's niece, Barbara, who learns their secrets and ends the movie as Batgirl, and Ivy's minion, Bane, a Venom steroid-fueled Mexican wrestler-themed U.S. military experiment gone wrong. Freeze is just trying to steal the diamonds he needs to be able to save his wife, and Ivy is just trying to rid the planet of humans so that we'll stop destroying everything, but for some reason the super trio feel the need to take both of them out, which they do, and in the end, Batman appeals to Mr. Freeze's better nature and gets him to cure Alfred. The end. And for today's headline, local queer horticulturalist tries to hold billionaire accountable for climate change, labeled eco-terrorist by masked vigilante. Yep. <laughs> we are going to start things off with the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, I want to start at like the literal beginning of the movie where the yes. WB logo fades to like steel blue gray scale as if this is a regular Batman movie and not the silliest, campiest, <laughs> rollicking good time of a movie anyone could ever watch. Yes, there is. The only thing serious happening in this movie is that Alfred is dying for like 3.4 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, My first thing is actually also, I think, within the first five minutes of this movie, uh, Batman is like, tells Robin, this is why Superman works alone, mm -hmm. which makes me laugh because uh, Batman and Superman share a universe. So this might be from personal knowledge of <laughs> said Superman. Oh, my God. So. They're in like a Facebook chat together. <laughs> they're like in a group chat and potentially no. I feel like, who does Wonder Woman have a separate goop trap with? Probably to Superman talking about how ridiculous Bruce Wayne is. Mm, yeah. Um, my next thing is about the scene where we see Bane created. Mm -hmm. So the scene where we see Bane created, we get a bunch of really great stuff. This, the, what is the science her boss's name? Do you know? Um, I feel like I missed it. I just had the Ununited Nations. That's as what one I. Of my favorite. So he addresses them <laughs> first as the Ununited Nations, and then as fellow maniacs, which made me even happier. I know if you if if you need a gender neutral term for a group of people, fellow maniacs, <laughs> while slightly ableist, not a terrible. <laughs> it feels like when you're. That feels like a reclaiming, you know, like yeah. that feel if you're grouping yourself in and you mean it in a non derogatory way, I think we're I think we're good. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk about Mr. Freeze's henchmen in the first 10 minutes of this movie, which folks, it's like essentially street hockey punks, but also they're on actual ice, but they're still wearing rollerblades. It's very it's very metal. And I'm just like, did Freeze just go to the, like, Gotham X Games and was just like, I will pay y'all a lot of money to become my henchman. Probably. <laughs> he seems like, he, like, they're probably unionized, honestly. <laughs> I would hope so, because I'm like, y'all are rollerblading on ice with hockey sticks against fucking Batman. I'm like, that is talent. That is some skill. For real. So, at... 
the semi-problematic Save the Rainforest auction, they're, like, auctioning off some women. What they is sure... happening? I don't know. I assume it's a, like, spend an evening with these lovely ladies for charity, which, I mean, considering that whole party feels pretty gross, also feels pretty gross. I honestly, A, have never caught that before that that's what they're auctioning off. I don't know why, but like, yeah, that just, I'm like, I guess maybe I should have put this in politics because I'm like, this is sex work, even if they're not having sex. Like this is, this is this like same kind of like exchange of like services, right? And if we're okay with this as like a thing, this is probably real, right? This is probably rooted in, a real thing that really happens. I mean, maybe. I feel, I feel like, though, this is a, like, 90s sitcom trope, because I feel like this is not the first time I've seen something like this being used in, as a plot device. And I'm like... And I, I feel like I'm... I feel like it's not something I've seen recently, but I'm just like, I know I've seen this happen before in stuff. I should probably look that up. But I know I've seen this on TV before, is what I'm trying to say. For, like dramatic reasons where it's like oh the person i have a crush on is like gonna be at this auction or it's like (laughs) my wife's this auction to like raise money and it's like i gotta make sure no other dudes bid on something like that so yeah that's so it's so weird the like cognitive dissonance that people are capable of creating of being like this is a totally socially acceptable thing to do but like being an escort isn't and it's like no those are that's the same and both i mean both are fine as long as the person doing the dating is consenting to the situation you know exactly yeah it's it's pretty weird it is weird (laughs) my next thing is so when we're in mr freeze's lair which is of course an empty ice cream factory because Gotham is a Rust Belt city? I don't fucking know. Abandoned buildings everywhere. Um, and we have goddamn Vivica A. Fox listed as misbehaving, which, number one, I love that. <laughs> I would see a whole movie about her. Yeah. Where's her movie? I love her. She's in this movie, everyone, for maybe a minute as, like, Mr. Freeze's arm candy, which is funny because he's clearly so still devoted to his wife. I'm like, why are you even here? <laughs> To make this movie less gay, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered the exact same thing. I was like, what are you getting out of this situation? I mean, she's clearly very into Mr. Freeze, but like, there's no way that they have ever had sex. Like, he is not, he is not available. He just isn't. Right. And I feel like she was like, it's like about how her skin is so dry. I'm like, you must spend a fortune on lotion if you're living in this literal freezer. Right. Like what? Again, he just seems like the kind of person who is like, has a very generous compensation package. Like they probably have really good insurance. I, you know, they're like FSA accounts probably cover lotion. He just seems like that kind of guy to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which we can definitely get into later. But yeah, I I agree. hundred (laughs) percent. All right. So... Is it, I think it's the first time Batman and Robin are in Poison Ivy's lair and they're kind of like fighting each other because of her, you know, sexy pheromones or whatever. Batman pushes Robin 
into a vat of green goo. And in Gotham City, the chances that that wasn't going to create a new supervillain are like 0.05%. Right. I was like, Batman, (laughs) you almost created a new nemesis. (laughs) What were you thinking? Especially with Robin be at this point in his life where he's like, fuck you, dad. Like, yeah, that could have gone south real easy. Yeah. Never push anyone in a vat of goo in Gotham City. Like, yeah. Don't ever be in a factory in Gotham City. A factory or a science lab or a museum. Just don't leave your house. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotham City. <laughs> have your groceries delivered. Don't totally. leave your house. Okay. So I, I have not seen this movie as many times as you have. Uh, and so I'm watching it again today and I'm like, I like Alicia Silverstone. It is just funny to me that they just don't get a British actress to play Barbara. Huh? Cause her mom is British. I don't remember if they say if she grows up in America or in England, but she was going to Oxbridge, LOL. So I'm like, yeah, what a good point. That's funny. Sorry. Now I'm just imagining Billy Piper playing Batgirl. <laughs> Oh my god. She would I mean she was probably like twelve when this was made. Wait, but when when does when does season when does the first episode 2005. of the Oh. I thought it was I definitely thought it was the late, the later nineties. Anyway, you're right. Whatever. Regardless. <laughs> it's deeply funny to me. It's so funny. Um Yeah, that's a great point. What was I gonna say? Oh, I am glad though that we didn't have another person with an accent in this movie because this movie does not have subtitles available. Wait, what? Yeah. What the fuck? And I don't, I mean, maybe you probably did. You watched it on HBO. I assume I don't have HBO right now. Oh, you should let me know. I would have just emailed you or, but yeah, it I didn't watched even it on occur HBO. To me, but so I rented it on like YouTube and it was like no subtitles available. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go rent it somewhere else. I cannot hear without subtitles. And Then I, like, looked at a bunch of other places where it's available to rent, and it all was, like, subtitles, unavailable. So they just, like, never subtitled this movie, apparently. But they did go through and, like, remaster it to, like, HD or whatever. I'll have to... I'm going to check HBO, because, like, that does seem really weird, because as much as a majority of the mainstream didn't like this movie, like, it wasn't, like, a flop commercially. Like, it made back... I mean, it made back its money. Yeah. So that seems weird. I know. It was very frustrating. Um, paying enough attention to like take notes and hear what everyone was saying without subtitles was very hard. Yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, so my next thing is when Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze team up briefly. And Poison Ivy's like, we're going to have like bring in a new ice age and then my like mutant plants will take over and there will be no more people except for us. And Mr. Freeze goes, Adam and evil. That is such a good. I love it so much. All of the puns and like jokes and the few little bit of innuendo in this movie is so good. It's so good. I was like, I can't write it all down. And then I did write it all down. But then I did not <laughs> let myself put all of it in my notes. So just my favorite ones are in my notes. Okay, no, that's a, an excellent one. 
Uh, okay, I actually just have one last thing in this front page, which is, and I think I'll talk about a little more why I would not want to be a scientist in Gotham. But more importantly, at the end of this movie, these two, these these poor astronomists are like left on a cliff near the ocean below the uh, observatory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you couldn't go pick them up? Are you going to call Coast Guard? Like, are they just going to be outside all night waiting for some 20-year-old Coast Guard member, his little tugboat, to come by? Like, what the fuck? I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, that's rude, Batman. But like, It's rude as fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, my last thing here is that the Batmobile must be a Subaru with that ice traction that it has. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a uh, that got it's got that really intense four wheel drive. It uh, really does. <laughs> oh my god! I really hope on the internet is a photo of like a Subaru made up of like like the Batmobile. <laughs> I hope so too. Uh... Welcome to Style and Fashion, where we talk about aesthetics. There's so much things to talk about. I think this is my longest segment <laughs> this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have so, I have so much here. Yeah, please start. Uh, I think we got to start off with the bat suits, complete with nipples, cod pieces, and bubble butts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it like doesn't make any sense, but it is deeply, deeply funny. They're so great. I like, I just can't, I like, I cannot, no amount of watching this movie will help me adjust to the fact that that's what the costumes look like. And then like, even knowing what's coming when Barbara gets her costume, I'm never prepared for like the tits or like the four inch heels. I'm like, your uncle made that. It's like all of their outfits seem like gay fetish wear. Yes, totally. <laughs> like you would see this at a like leather and latex night at like a at like a gay leather bar. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all thought this was okay, that this is the outfit they're gonna have. It's perfect. Right. <laughs> no, it is it is incredible. I'm just like it I'm, it, I'm just like how did this get how did this get put in a like mainstream film you're gonna like heterosexuals because i'm like this does not feel heterosexual at all (laughs) this is this is a gay movie just 100 percent. oh yeah speaking of gay things mr freeze whatever was in that cold soup that he fell into i mean we don't know what he was like before but like it seems as if it gave him a real dedication to an aesthetic. Not only does he speak exclusively in cold-related puns, but his whole lair is, like, themed. He's, like, watching Christmas movies. He's wearing polar bear slippers. He I has a snowflake glitter robe. He's got a, His whole pantry is just frozen pizza. It's, like, everything... And the commitment to the bit is incredible. It's like 25 out of 10, honestly. Yeah. No notes. Yeah. 
I do feel like if I was one of the henchmen, I would not be thrilled about the Christmas theme music, but I'm like... (laughs) But of all the Christmas songs, that is definitely the one that goes the hardest. That's true. And potentially unlimited ice cream, which, yeah. And DiGiorno. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It seems fine. I mean, forced participating in like caroling aside not that it's really caroling listeners who haven't watched it it's the snow miser song from whatever that weird christmas movie is um which really is like a very catchy song it really is it truly is it's got that like Um, trombone part you never hear trombone in a christmas song you know mm -hmm. (laughs) all right so i guess just blanket statement the amount of neon and fluorescent lights and black lights in this movie is just top notch. Yeah, it is everything that's great, like perfect about 90s fashion is represented in this movie. Yeah. Whatever those dudes are that are living in the, the Turkish baths where Poison Ivy sets up her lair, they are having the best time. Oh, yeah. I have a whole just chunk about all of the p- different kinds of punks that we see in this movie. <laughs> Can we start? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with all them, right. though, because God, okay. they look incredible. Yeah, the, the blacklight punks and then yes. the leader has like a septum piercing. And I'm like, this is an incredible aesthetic. I love everything about it. You guys are on so much drugs, but this, and you're just like hanging out in a like, like a banded Turkish bath. Like that's, that's just luxury as fuck. (laughs) It's so great. And I have just had the best idea because someday when there isn't a pandemic, we should have, I want to have a birthday party where I rent out a bowling alley and it's, you've got all the black lights on and we all dress up as these dudes. Like, oh my God. Not just wear your most black light reactive, like cute shirt, but like the whole thing. How fucking right. fun would that be? <laughs> I'm definitely going to paint something in glow in the dark paint onto like a black hoodie. It's going to be mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, I'm, I I do kind of say, I do feel a little bad. I'm like, oh, Ivy, those black-like punks, they could have been your... I mean, I guess you have Bane, but you could have had a whole crew of... I guess maybe stoner black-light weirdos. <laughs> maybe not the henchmen you want. They they do come with their own black-light reactive chains to fight with. They do seem like they would be adaptable, you know? And you, and you know what? There's a ton of flowers that look real outrageous under black light too yeah. so i feel like it really could have fit in it could have all right uh okay since we're on the, since we're on punks i also have a list of all of the punks at the bike race that yeah, barbara goes to <laughs> <laughs> i mean my second favorite is of course the dandy punks who are in suits like fuzzy white wigs and just have like eye masks yes <laughs> It's, I was trying to, because we have one group that's just like dressed like they came from a clockwork orange. And then I was like, are all of these representing a different like cult media franchise? But I don't know enough about movies to be able to tell if any of the other ones were. You know, I was trying to figure that out too, because we have like the traditional punks that look that look very much like the vampires from the Buffy movie and from like the Lost Boys, but like just traditional looking punks. 
But yeah, the dandy punks, I'm just like, I have no idea what this is from, but... The fact that there are clockwork orange punks does make me think the same thing. But I couldn't find any like trivia or anything on the internet that's like, hey, look at this obvious nod right. to other movies. So interesting. If anyone, if any film nerds know, can let us know. Yeah. I do also love the punk family. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the kid. Yeah, the like the eight year old. And they're all little like spiked leather jacket. I'm like, oh, it's great. And they all go to the motorcycle race in the like weird black light graffiti tunnels. God, oh my God. Do you, I just feel like everything in the 90s made me feel like being a young adult was just going to be like so cool all the time. Like everything was just going to be like colorful and yeah, outrageous and incredible and you know i've been to like some cool like generator punk shows and stuff like that but nothing that even comes close to what we see going on here i know yeah part of me is like did we miss it or was it just 9-11 happened and then it was all patriotism and fascism i don't think this ever really existed that's fair i mean and maybe if it did it was probably only in like really big cities yeah and last but not least we have black punks featuring coolio (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Who, did you know, was slated to play Scarecrow in the sequel to this that didn't get to happen because everyone hated it because... I saw that and I'm like, that would have been so... As a black nerd, as a child, this I would have I lost my mind if they had made Coolio the fucking Scarecrow. Who is, honestly, the legitimate scariest... One of the few actually scary Batman villains. Yeah. Oh, we could have had it all. We could have had it all. Okay, so the aside from just Bane in a fedora, <laughs> <laughs> the costume changes for Bane are so funny. <laughs> the idea that people would be like, "Oh, that's fine. I don't recognize that guy." <laughs> like this, like massive dude who could probably like hide a f- metal folding chair behind his back and you wouldn't notice. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And he's like still wearing his mask. too. <laughs> um, yeah. So besides that, the rest of my stuff is all about like aesthetics, aesthetics. Do you have other fashion ones first? Um, I think the, okay. I only have two fashion things left, which is, I mean, I guess, <laughs> Poison Ivy's outfit at the end of this movie, but really her outfits throughout this movie. So maybe yes. that can be its own thing. But I just want to say that when Barbara rolls up from England, I'm like, you look like you escaped from Hogwarts. <laughs> she also looks like she escaped from that Aerosmith music video that she was in with Liv Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's escaping from so many things and just coming to Wayne Manor. So, yep. <laughs> should we talk about poison ivy's outfits we should talk about poison ivy's outfits let's do Um, it has uber thurman ever looked as good as she does in this movie never (laughs) she's like profoundly not my type and i am like so drawn to her as poison ivy she is just having the she's having a blast and it really yeah, she does. She has a magnetic performance in this movie. Like every scene she's in, she's stealing it. You're just yeah. like, 
she's in a scene full of like other huge stars and you're just like i only want to look at you yeah. and not just because she's always wearing like plant themed skin type yeah. outfits yes. it's just that like you are killing it yeah no she is she is just devouring every scene that she's in it's perfect oh my god i'm like I crying i love it so much <laughs> it's so good uh is there a specific outfit you want to talk about you know i love all of them but her final outfit like she fully looks like a drag queen and it's just like screaming sex it's so so good and her makeup i noticed that when when they, when she's in her like vulvic flower throne with robin she's just like beautiful like orangey shade two-tone eyeshadow on yeah which like really shouldn't work considering the shade of red her hair is but i'm like it totally does which yeah just like well yeah and she has the her orange like leaf brows on that day too so like it's a whole like monochrome thing that she's doing kind yeah. of like spanish jackie you're like i don't know if that much red should work but like look at you pulling it off right and like i feel like it kind of shouldn't work but it totally does and yeah. i think it also totally does because she's just like i'm in my power outfit and then yeah it's just like she just looks like a drag queen disney villain yeah which is the best aesthetic you could have absolutely <laughs> one, of the, one of the best aesthetics one could have exactly yes incredible so good I do though, like it was it was hard for me to choose because the one where instead of having her like pheromone powder in the little case, she has it like in like ivy shaped patches that are inside her palms that like are part of her sleeve. I don't know, that like really does it for me. I love a thumb hole and like this is like taking a thumb hole to the nth degree. It's so good. I know. Ugh. Yeah, her her costumes just chef's fucking chef's kiss. Yep. Yeah, and then I guess actually just we should go right from that to like the aesthetic of her lair, which is I would like to move in. Yeah. Part of me was like, no, not the historic tile, but that's just because I'm a sh- I'm bougie and I'm like, how dare you not restore the tile <laughs> ivy, but she needed to put her pond in and, like, have her plant. So I'm like, all right, fine. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So her her lair is an uh, abandoned Turkish bath because, again, Gotham is a rust belt city. So just empty factories and buildings all over the goddamn place. Yep. Full of villains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just chock full of villains. Yeah. And then, like, right. And then at the end of the movie when she's done her renovation, she has this, like, living vulvic flower throne and a little like lily pad like aquatic thing in front of it walkway just like it's just extra in the best kind of way yeah she has like vine curtains and then like beaded curtains and then more vine curtains that you all have to like part your way through to get in it's just so good yeah see this is why people are villains instead of heroes is because when you're a villain, you get to just be that extra. Like you get to just be like, does it spark joy? I'm doing it. When you're a hero, you have to be like, understated my bat cave. It's so practical. Like fuck practical. Give me vine curtains. This is what I want. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I'm like, it's just that that circle of like villains are queer coded and then queers love villains because, right, you're just so extra where I'm like, yes, I would love to walk into my house through a like curtain of vines. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. You Ugh. know. One of the worst parts about being married to a builder is that every time I'm like, what if we grew ivy of our house because it's so dreamy? Evan is like, that is so bad for the structure of your house. It we cannot do that. It's very dangerous. It will make your house leak and stuff. I'm like, I hate this. Wait, you couldn't do a like... A trellis. Yeah, the yes. trellis between the plants and the house. Yes, yeah. we could do a trellis. And we are growing I, or climbing stuff up our like covered porch area. But it's not the same as having like a curtain of ivy. Like, I want witches live here kind of ivy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I understand, but... (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me about compromises. (laughs) I just want you to have a a beautiful thick curtain of ivy growing across your house. Thank you. Without it crumbling, you know, or whatever. So... Um, What do you have next? Oh, uh, I just have a couple of architectural things that I like. Um, the architecture of the observatory is incredible. Okay, so listeners, it's like a building that looks like a statue of a figure with their arms up, like holding a globe, and the globe part is the observatory. It like feels Art Deco, but it's just, I don't know, it's just so extra, and it's like, I don't know, a million stories tall, and I'm like, this is so cool. I It's not even the only statue that's that tall in Gotham. There is another one next to the highway, and it's like, Bruce Wayne, you paid to have these statues created. This is not a good use of your money. However, it's so fucking cool. It had, like, the city has this, like, raised highway. That's probably like hundreds and hundreds of feet above the city somehow. And like that one statue is like, like looking in at the highway and it's so cool. Okay. I actually think that those statues were not built by Bruce Wayne, but probably whatever, whatever Wayne ancestor was a rubber baron or like a newspaper magnet. And it's like, you know what? It's, 1912 i'm gonna build the word the world's tallest bronze statue looking over my new super high you know and they mm-hmm. put a super highway in, in like the fucking 50s and it's just like yeah yeah it's no, just like that, what the that fuck that's true <laughs> yeah the one holding the observatory i mean it's totally impractical there's no way you could ever actually build it but like someone should try and that one, at least, it's not like a full sculpture. It like emerges from like a cliff. So like yeah. it starts at the torso. So like slightly cheaper, not a lot cheaper, but a little bit cheaper. Yeah. God, you're going to have so many things to take screenshots of for this episode. <laughs> sure I am. That's totally fine. Welcome to the essay section where we talk about our history with the media we're discussing. You should go first. All right. Um, so it's actually weird that I didn't see this movie as a child because I saw all of the Batman movies as a child, which considering, say, the content of Batman Returns is actually sort of like, why did I see that in theaters? Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, I mean, not a mistake, but I think my 
thing about ladies in pleather is probably directly response. <laughs> that was directly from seeing Michelle Pfeiffer in her catlady suit. So it is weird to me that I didn't see this movie until I think we watched it for Wait, when we did the pa- the the patreon watch of this last summer that was your first time it was my first time oh my god <laughs> it is it doesn't make any sense because batman is like one of my favorite superhero things mostly because of the villains i love the villains and like i love poison ivy and uma thurman so it doesn't make any sense why i never saw this movie until last year wow I mean, I'm so glad you've seen it now, but yeah, that is shocking. It, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because I heard it, it was terrible from everyone. Maybe I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. So what is your feeling about it now that you've seen it twice? Um, It is so good. Totally worth watching. And it is a little funny, though, because I feel like this time my viewing was also a little bit envi- in- influenced by the Harley Quinn cartoon, where I'm kind of like, this is a really good Victor Freeze, but Harley Quinn is like peak, like the Victor Freeze. And of course, Bane, a much better Bane than this one. Or even as much as I love Tom Hardy, better than the one in, in the newer Batman movies, too. So, yeah, honestly, I feel I feel like this movie is a like sort of excellent there's so much batman media and i feel like sort of my top three are like batman the animated series uh birds of prey and the harley quinn cartoon i think this is actually an excellent thing to watch along with all of those things yeah totally like it's you know super fun and like not as terrifying say as batman returns which is like the design for the penguin is I think gave me nightmares and actually is still really horrifying, but Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, the design is great. It's very campy. No one, no one dies. I think this is like maybe the only Batman movie where the villains don't die at the end. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, I don't know if you just want a silly romp, it's an excellent watch for that. And actually I kept thinking about, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, actually, if you, like how ridiculous the 1960s Batman is. I feel like this is kind of like, out of all the Batman movies, the biggest successor to like this sort of goofy, fun, campy 60s Batman. I haven't watched those either, but I have been wanting to. Um, I was this time thinking about one of the things that you said in our discussion of Birds of Prey, which is that like Birds of Prey remembers that it's based on a comic book. And so it's like, colorful and fun and over the top in a way that like comic book adaptation media should be and i was like this this is that too and i know that the batman comics are like darker but this this feels like a comic book like it's it's just so big and i feel like that's a lot of what camp is is like it's so much it's so big and that's just i mean it's just really joyful it's very ostentatious everything about this movie (laughs) Okay, so my history with this movie, as longtime listeners know, and maybe people who started with this podcast don't, I am a habitual rewatcher of things and have a really hard time consuming new things. And so there were like certain movies that I watched when I was a kid. And this is a movie, this is a My Dad's House movie, of which there were four. So I think like, and I was at my dad's like for summers and then like every other weekend. And I watched. Batman and Robin, Good Burger, Spice World. Actually, it might have been three movies. 
Um, so I like watched it a lot. I feel this explains a lot about you and your aesthetic. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, like that's three extremely campy movies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and hi- I seriously, honestly, highly recommend all three of them. I might be the only person alive who's like, no, Good Burger is a good movie, but I think <laughs> Good Burger is a great fucking movie. Especially on our list to watch because I actually never watched it because I didn't have cable as a kid, so I never watched Good Burger. So I'm like, I missed the nostalgia you never watched of all it. That, you mean? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch all that. So uh, it's it's on our list though. We're gonna watch it. At some we point. are gonna watch it. Maybe next summer camp. Yeah, so I just watched it a lot. Batman stuff-wise, my parents tried to watch the one with Penguin in it on Christmas when I was, like, six or something. And obviously, I just, like, started crying because I'm a tender baby. It is deeply disturbing. Yeah. So I still haven't seen that movie. And the only other one I think I saw until The Dark Knight was the one with the Riddler in it. And... Like, my step-siblings really liked that. They would watch it a lot at my dad's, but I, I, I've, i like, passively seen it a lot. But I was afraid of Jim Carrey as a child because his characters were all, like, really mean. And, like, the humor that he did was always, like, really cruel humor, which was something that, like, triggered a fear response in me because people being mean to each other, like, hurts me on a fundamental level. So mm-hmm. I never, like, on purpose watched that movie. That's funny because that's the one I actually also watched a lot as a kid, but haven't seen recently. Yeah, and I like don't even remember if like he's mean in that movie in the same way as he is in, say, Dumb and Dumber or Ace Ventura. But I think yeah. I had seen both of those and was like, this this man is bad, basically. Like, I can't look at his face because I associate him with like being mean to people and it being supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's actually, I think, funny story, I think he's actually a better dramatic actor than he is a comedian, because The Truman Show is the fucking shit. That's a good movie. I've heard that. I think the only thing I've seen him in is Eternal Sunshine, because I watched it in a film class in high school. Anyway, but yeah, I don't have, like, a super, like, I don't really have a relationship with, like, the Batman franchise as such. I just, like, really like this movie, and I really like Birds of Prey, and... I full on dissociated trying to watch Dark Knight in the movie theater and had to leave. Um, yeah. So I haven't tried to watch. I mean, again, I don't like it when people are mean to each other. So, like, I can't, I don't watch things like that. Yeah. There are some, I mean, Batman the Animated Series is really cool. I would definitely rewatch some choice, I don't know, all the power lesbian ones, I guess. Because, <laughs> like, all, I feel like almost all of the lady villains are extremely gay. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I feel like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn palling around in uh, those episodes. And also they had this, there's this excellent villain in the cartoon called Red Claw. She's just this like buff Eastern European lady who wears like a sleeveless jumpsuit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, that is like on my sort of like long term list of things to watch too. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously like I love the Harley Quinn cartoon. I'm and like. Things for children in general are safer for me than things for grown-ups, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. <laughs> where do we start? 
I don't know. I try to keep this light just because I have so much like more fun stuff to talk about. And I was like, I want to prioritize that stuff. I'm going to let you lead this is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where to start. Maybe we should start off light. Sure. All right. So just like in the movie Batman Forever, and honestly, in real life, it seems like the real origin story of these villains is uh, misogyny and uh, issues in the workplace, like workplace safety. Because I'm like, Freeze has this like terrible accident. And I'm like, is it because it wasn't like OSHA certified? Like, what's going on here? And then Ivy is just toiling away in this lab in South America or wherever she is. And her boss is like, I've been stealing your research to sell in the black market. And then I'm going to murder you. And I'm like, these all seem very relatable, topical. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, yeah, I mean, why not just become a villain at that point? (laughs) I agree. And... You know, in this movie, while I agree with literally everything that Poison Ivy says about, like, humans and our um, moral worth, I feel like she is a bigger bad than Mr. Freeze because she legitimately has a plan to kill everyone, like, from jump. Like, she she wanted that before she was even Poison Ivy. Yeah. Whereas Mr. Freeze is literally just, like doing museum heists so that he can like power his machinery that for some reason runs on diamonds like he wasn't even a villain until batman decided to make him a villain like stealing diamonds is not villainous behavior (laughs) Uh, especially not blood diamonds which is definitely the one in that racist party where i'm like where is this from again Mm, mm. yep so yeah it's like, cool, Batman. It's too bad Mr. Freeze didn't have an unlimited funding, scientific funding budget before he became a supervillain. Right. You know, maybe he could have gotten some PPE for his fucking lab. Yeah. Like... <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you have? Um. Well, I mean, I guess that, like, transitions really nicely into the sort of, like, is Batman a hero? Well... Is Bruce Wayne a hero or a villain? Because he's this billionaire who we see in this movie funding all of this philanthropic stuff. He's got seemingly like pretty good politics, but like the city he lives in is just like a festering cesspool of supervillains. If there weren't vats of chemicals to fall into, vats of chemicals couldn't create supervillains. Bruce Wayne, what are you doing with your money? You know? Yeah. Yeah, where's all this, the all the factory, all the workplace safety? I was like, build some bad, build some goddamn community centers and job centers, and maybe you wouldn't have to be beating up punks who are just like, how do I make money? All these empty buildings, there are no jobs. Like, come right. on, my dude. Like, if Mister Freeze is offering like an excellent, you know, what's it called, compensation package for being his henchman, which obviously he would because he's like a legitimately good person (laughs) right they're like he's i mean yeah it's like you want someone like mr freeze to be the head of your scientific research like he's not in it for the money which is better than we can say about a lot of real life medical scientists yeah at this point so yeah like what the fuck yeah like i obviously if your options are like 
I mean, try, vie with what, like hundreds, thousands of other people for the same like 12 minimum wage jobs that are available because everything keeps closing because Gotham is like in absolute ruins or work for Mr. Freeze as like a cool rollerblading henchman. Like who's who's going to not choose that? I know. I know. And it is especially, I think it's especially poignant when, of course, so many of Batman's gallery of rogues, as they are called, all end up in Arkham Asylum, which is like, okay, so you have mental health issues. And I bet if Wayne Enterprises would just fund better mental health and social services in Gotham, you wouldn't have to do jack shit. I mean, right. not jack shit, but you don't like you wouldn't have to be dealing with someone like the Joker or Harley Quinn. You could just be not a cop in a mask, essentially. Right. And I mean, like, right, we see Arkham in this. It's staffed by exactly who you would expect it to be staffed by. It's not nice to be in. It's like pretty fucking awful. It looks like it was built in the 30s and hasn't been updated. Yeah. Or cleaned since the 30s. And it's like, I mean, even even after Bruce Wayne Batman is like, you know, Victor Freeze, I can tell you're still a good man on the inside. Give me a cure for my dad. And he does. He's like, you're going to Arkham, but like you can have a lab. We'll, and we'll bring your cryo wife in. Like it's going to be okay. But he has to have a fucking roommate. Like he has, it's, what? What? No, like outrageous. If if people are like the Joker and are like, if I am in society, I will be killing people. Right. It's like, okay, you need to be away from society. That should be happening somewhere where you are like living a good life and are given access to tools and all of the things that you need to like learn how potentially how to like not kill people if you rejoin society, you know, if that's an option for you. I don't know what happens when you fall into the chemicals he fell into. Maybe it's never going to be an option, but like could be, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, who's going to know? Because it does not seem like he could be funding the scientists, the the sciences. He could be funding STEM. So people like, Freeze and Ivy aren't c- turning to crime and could well, be he helping is funding out. Some. He he was he was the person funding the lab that she was working in. But it's That's like true. why is why aren't you doing that like where you live? Yeah, no, know? that's true. You know what's funny? I this has literally never occurred to me until right now, but why don't any of these villains just go after Bruce Wayne, a literal billionaire who's in Gotham in this in a giant ass mansion that I'm, I'm sure is like on like the national registry of historic sites because rich right. people love having that shit on their homes and i'm like you go after batman nah bro yeah there's a billionaire you could be dealing with right now totally uh man capitalism gets us all truly <sighs> it really does um i think this is also i think what i, I would dovetail nicely into one of my points which is when ivy shoves her way up to Bruce Wayne and it's like, Hey, look at my, uh, green in- initiative and zero emissions proposal. And he's like, this will have people starve. I'm not fucking going to do it. I'm like, wow, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, 
But you could. We know that you could do that. You have enough, and we know that you have excellent research and development team for all your fucking bat gear. Like, you could have this shit be zero emissions and be funding green jobs, my dude. Twenty Like, 20 years from now, it's going to be like, oh man, Wayne needs to go green. We need to have zero emissions. And it's like, literally, Pamela Isley told you this. <laughs> yeah. She had a proposal in hand. Well, okay. I will say, her proposal sounded... Like, it was, like, immediately, like, just no more access to diesel, whatever. And, like... Yeah. She does give off big, like... Earth First vibes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like when I was in my early 20s, I was like, yeah, fuck everyone who would die if we immediately got rid of that, like, including myself. Great. Like, I was very... Mm -hmm. Like, I was very Poison Ivy. And I'm, like, very proud of the fact that I have grown into a person who's like but also like people deserve to be taken care of so i do feel like her proposal was probably not it however just being like lol bye as opposed to like there's some really interesting stuff in here i would love to have a conversation with you also like we are about to have this fundraiser to like raise money for the rainforest the most important thing in the 90s right Uh, (laughs) the most important thing in the 90s because it does seem like you know he was like no actually like that is the thing that i kind of care about like just talk to her instead of just being like loser bye right it's like you have a whole team of people to be like there's some workable parts of this proposal right yes yeah yeah, I don't know. I think I do think that part of this poison ivy feels very peak, like white vegan, where it's like all humanity. It's like it's not all humanity. It's a colon the colonizer mind frame of ab- abject exploitation and dominion over the natural resources. When it's like indigenous people have been doing this for thousands of years, and colonizers have been doing this for five hundred years, and look at what what we're at now. Right. You know. Yep. So. Anyway, should we talk about this uh, rainforest fundraiser? We should. <laughs> I just have in my notes this racist jungle party and these blood diamonds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is a very apt summary. Yeah. So, uh, so they're having this. Uh, rainforest themed fundraiser and so it's all these rich people in suits and there's just a bunch of people dancing in stereotypical quote-unquote jungle wear and like a couple of folks dressed in like fuzzy gorilla suits it is deeply deeply fucked up yeah it really is it's so yeah it's definitely like you know when you're watching well even media that's made now but like specifically like older media and like a thing starts and you just sort of like freeze you're like oh what's about to happen like oh no oh yeah (laughs) like literally anytime anyone mentions that chakotay is native american (laughs) on voyager i'm like oh no something's something's yeah (laughs) yeah i can't can't look i know yeah yeah this this is uh definitely it i have to say though and i did look at least there aren't i mean there's only like two black people in this movie anyway (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there are not any black people in jungle wear in this at this party so i'm like all right so someone at least realized how bad that would look (laughs) oh yeah it is 
It's definitely a choice is what it is. It's like, it's like the worst visuals in these movies. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Um, obviously we have to start with the fact that this is considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. And I mean, my big question is just like, why do people hate fun? And I think maybe part of this is that a lot of what is considered a quote unquote good movie is determined by like cishet white dudes, you know, like what is considered a classic movie, what's considered like a most important movie like to see. Like a lot of that is fucking bullshit. And oftentimes a lot of it's fucking racist or transphobic or homophobic. And, you know, besides this jungle scene, this jungle party, this movie, easy to watch. Like that is the cringiest thing is that party. And it's only like mildly cringy. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. Yeah. Since that do take fun, I guess. I, I really think that's it. Like, I just... Because, like... I mean, this has abysmal scores on, like, all of the scoring websites. I'm like, I would give this movie an 8 out of 10. Like, it's really fun. And I think, like, all of the reviews that I did read were like, there's no nothing to, like, emotionally connect to. And I'm like, why do you need that to consider a movie to be good like can't there be multiple kinds of good and can't i smiled through the whole thing it was really fun and funny and gorgeous to look at because everyone agreed that it was gorgeous to look at and i'm like if it was beautiful and it made you laugh and it was Mm -hmm. like enjoyable why do you need something like deep or upsetting or like heavy to be able to buy into it like that doesn't make sense to me. Can't we can't we just have something that's just like fun for the sake of being fun and consider that to be good? Yeah. I know. It is it's like really quite mind-boggling. So, yeah, and I'm just kind of like there's plenty of action movies. I love action movies. I love an action movie. There's plenty of action movies that make less sense than this that disobey the laws of physics as much as this movie does. And I'm like they're still great. You know, like speed as a movie makes no fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's deeply ridiculous. People love speed. Right. You know, and I'm just like, I'd rather watch this than speed, even though I love young Keanu Reeves. He's a babe. I mean, he's always a babe, but I'm just like, yeah, this is an excellent fun thing to like watch with your family or your kids. Or if you're just like, you know what? I'm sad. I'm just going to watch Uma Thurman chew scenery for two hours. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean... It is very confusing. I, I mean, honestly, I think the reason people don't like this is probably because of homophobia. <laughs> I, yes, I think that's like legit. Yes. So, because it's all like it, looks like, a, it looks like a toy commercial. And I'm like, I watched a lot of the cartoons in the 90s that were essentially just toy commercials. Like, this isn't even, this isn't it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just not serious enough. Yeah. All right. What's your first rant? I have to, and I know we talked a little little about this in politics, Mr. Freeze, I mean, not a villain, essentially. But here's the thing about Mr. Freeze is that, so we find at the end of the movie, he's been carrying around the cure to stage one of this, like, this deadly debilitating disease. Yeah. For a thing that must have a few stages, I guess. Mr. Freeze could have patented that shit. And made a billion dollars and, like, could have brought his own fucking diamonds. 
And he's like, now, nah, son, I'm not fucking doing that. And I'm like, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it's sad that an actual Batman villain is actually less evil than IRL, like, pharmaceutical companies. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that for him and also hate that for us. Yeah. <laughs> we really need more Victor Frieza's in this world. Truly. Yeah, and I think um, much less serious, but speaking of, I, like, honestly, petition for all villains and everything to speak exclusively in puns. <laughs> there's, if there's anything we should take away from this movie, it is that that is good. That is that is a good trait for a villain to have. I mean, Ivy's, like, half puns, whereas Freeze is, like, three-quarters puns, but even so... They're both just fucking nailing it. And it's like such yeah. a joy. It's such a joy. With like one eighth, like really funny sexual innuendo. Oh my God. And I have <laughs> several of those written down in the personal section. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like clearly whoever wrote this had a blast. And yeah. I'm like, good for you. You know, the other thing that gets to me about them, like people being upset about the movie not liking the movie is that like this is what arnold schwarzenegger does like he cannot he's not a good actor you put him in things because he's like really beefy and he has a great accent and he makes puns like aside i haven't seen the terminator movies i assume those are like more serious movies but all of the arnold schwarzenegger movies that i have watched it's like this is what he does he makes puns and you put him in like a glittery blue light up costume what it like of course he's just gonna be making puns that's why you cast arnold schwarzenegger like what what was anyone expecting going into this movie aside from him making just 75 cold based puns for two hours yeah it's sort of like why would you i mean honestly i feel like his performance in this movie is the reason people fucking love what is it jingle all the way Mm mm-hmm you know, where it's just like he's just doing like some physical comedy, just, you know, being this like beefy dude who can like n- make a one liner work. Right. You know, and I'm just like. Yeah, exactly. Listeners, um, Jesse was making a come the fuck on face, or at least that's mm-hmm. how I interpreted it. Yeah, essentially. Cool. <laughs> I think we, we ended up talking about some of my things in other sections, but I do have one thing. Okay. What we have not talked about. Which is George Clooney's phoned-in performance. How dare you? <laughs> but here's the thing. I, th- I think it works for this reason. is because, I don't remember if I brought this up in the Birds of Prey conversation, but someone, I saw someone said of Batman that Batman isn't the alter ego of Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is the alter ego of Batman. Like, Batman is all of Bruce's life and, like, the Bruce Wayne philanthropy billionaire is just like, is his alter ego. So I feel like every scene you see where he's being Bruce Wayne feels kind of like, what is going on? Because he's putting on an act. Like he, that's why he like is notorious in canon for having just like a string of like pretty girlfriends who he never commits to. Cause right. it's like, you know, that, that is the mask. Like Bruce Wayne is the mask. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I also would argue that that's just how George Clooney acts. Like, I don't, 
<laughs> I've watched almost all of ER and I've watched all of ER that he is in. Like there is not really a discernible difference between Doug Ross and Bruce Wayne in this movie. He's just a very understated actor, I think, and is like just really fucking magnetic and can just like t- talk really quietly and have mm-hmm. a chiseled jaw and that's it. Like that's that's what he's doing. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I'm obviously very biased, so maybe it does come across as phoned in for other folks, but I don't see it. I mean, I guess it's just like, there's, I feel like not as much emoting as he does in other characters when he's playing Bruce Wayne. Because I feel like George Clooney is in a lot of ways a like, bit of a subtle actor, but like he, I feel like he like face emotes really well. But I feel like in this movie, he doesn't which again works for the like bruce wayne is the cover Mm -hmm. kind of viewing of batman which i'm like for a lot of batman media is kind of true yeah is is, like very true that's fair so yeah so him having this like replaceable girlfriend who is like what's going on with our relationship and he's like what i know (laughs) very much like (laughs) which also reads which i also feel like is very gay to be like your beard (laughs) yeah right He's, like, totally unwilling to, like, reveal his secret identity. I don't know. Yeah. Um, My last thing here is that one of the things that made me laugh the hardest in the entire movie is when Barbara shows up in Ivy's lair and, like, kicks ass and saves both Batman and Robin. And then they're both, like, staring at her, like, what the fuck? Who who is this? Who has come in to our rescue? And she just looks at them and is like, Bruce, it's me, Barbara. <laughs> just like started cracking up. <laughs> Listeners, Batman's wearing a full-on mask. She has <laughs> her eyes are covered. Like that's it. Her blonde hair is out. Everett, like her whole face is out. It's just a little eye mask. And it's just so funny to me. Mm-hmm. We also get the hilarious line of like Batgirl. It's not very PC. Why not Bat person? I know. <laughs> I, the like all of the like jokey sort of like feminist stuff in this movie that's just extremely intentionally very heavy handed in a way that doesn't feel like they're making fun of feminism. I thought like I actually thought it was like expertly done where they were like, yeah, we're making a joke about this, but like it's not punching down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's very much it's very much like LOL Batgirl for this literal adult who is like kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, it's great. And then she fucking saves the day because because she, you know, rides motorcycles and knows Kung Fu and also is a computer whiz and got kicked out of Oxbridge for no reason. I don't know. Drag racing her bike through the streets of Oxford. Right. <laughs> Breaking to the vault of Oxford. H- hacking hacking into the Oxford computers, into the Oxford computer system. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Lyra Balakwa would approve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, So this movie is a lot of people's queer awakening, and I think that's great. 
It definitely makes sense to me. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like bisexual awakening, but also just like straight up queer awakening. Um, the comic artist Adam Tots, who is a gay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love him. He has like a whole comic about like leaving the movie theater after seeing this at like age 12 and that being like his moment of realization. And I just, I appreciate it for that, you know? I know. Yeah. It is very much. Yeah. It's like very sexy, like in a PG way, but also in a way where it's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's so gay. Like, yeah, everyone's so gay. Everyone's so hot. Like it's just, there is absolutely something for everyone. Even if you're asexual, everything's really colorful and great. Like there's, there's no losing with this movie. Yeah, this is very true. What do you have first? I surprisingly don't have much in the sexy stuff just because, I mean, besides Uma Thurman looking incredible and none of the dick jokes that I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I wrote them down for you. Perfect. Okay. So I'm going to send you a text message really quick and listeners I don't know if we've said on this show up until this point that on the website on our website all of the episodes that we do that are about visual media there's like a screenshot roundup about the things that we talk about so you can head there to see pictures of all the outfits that we talk about and all of that including this gif so this video is George Clooney having incredible sexual tension with an empty hallway. (laughs) Uh, Why hasn't it come through yet? Tell me when you start watching it. All right. I'm watching it now. Now that you're like sexual tension with the hallway, I'm like, yes. So listeners, to describe what Jesse just watched, he like leaves a room and, you know, closes the door, enters the hallway and he turns and the camera's on his face and he looks up into the hallway and watching it, the expression that goes across his face, you're like, oh, there's the most beautiful woman in the world is walking towards him in this hallway. And then the camera pans and it is an empty hallway it's an empty goddamn hallway and you're like george clooney calm down sir (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing he just has like resting aroused face and it is wild you know people went wild for him in the 90s and it's like he is still so hot he's so hot it's like pretty ridiculous yeah and it's just like, I don't know. I don't know why it's like funny. Because like, I also like when I was a kid, I, I watched a lot of ER, which is like where he got him start. And like, it's like, no, you're a fucking babe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's nice because you can tell that he knows. It. <laughs> also, yeah. I was reading his Wikipedia and it's always so nice when you read a famous person's Wikipedia and you're like, oh, you seem great. Like He seems great he has really good politics he's married to someone who's only like 15 years younger than him (laughs) and like 
is not like a model or a famous person. She's a fucking politician, his wife. And they met because they have like the same political views and were like doing political campaign-y, like raising awareness-y stuff together. And I just, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's really lovely to you know not have there be like a controversy section (laughs) i know and like i don't know it is always refreshing to be like oh wow you're like a hot and talented actor and also you're not a garbage person yeah um i feel like john ham who is definitely sort of the george clooney of the 2000s (laughs) or the 2010s is i think very similar where like he did start acting until he was like in his 40s and it's just like seems like I don't think there's any controversies about him. He's just like a really like chill, like cool guy. And I'm just like, you're that hot and you're still not a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's incredible. Yep. So nice. Uh, that's because the bar is in hell. <laughs> yeah, for real. <sighs> um, okay. So now I just have like a list of things that people say that I'm like, this is incredible. They're just all puns. Like, I love that all of the, like, sexual innuendo is puns. It's like this movie was written for us. Truly. Really, what I feel like maybe I should just say, like, the best one, which is when Robin is, like, under Ivy's thrall, but, like, also kind of not. He's got the, like, fake, like, rubber lips on so that she can't kill him when they kiss. And he starts by being like, is your thumb the only part of you that's green? Which is, like... I know I know I was like wow (laughs) but then it gets better because he's like I need to know if you're serious about turning over a new leaf I need some sort of sign and she says how about slippery when wet and I was just like oh my god (laughs) yeah I'm like I almost said scandalous, but I'm just like, wow, like really getting things past the censors with that. <laughs> it's amazing. I uh, I just feel like so, and this is like a little political, but people like freaking out about like sexual things in like kids media these days is like, I feel like so ridiculous because I'm like, all of you who are doing this panicking, please just go rewatch anything that you and your parents both enjoyed watching when you were a child and you will find shit like this where Mr. Freeze is like, I need the diamonds. And Ivy says, I'll help you grab your rocks. And like child's child lark, all the kids just like do to do whatever. And like parents are like, LOL. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Right. Right, especially since Ivy gives the slippery one wet line inside of a giant vulvic flower. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. People just love sex jokes. I think this is just, like, culture is full of sex jokes. Shakespeare is full of sex jokes. For this reason, people love that shit. Yes, exactly. Isn't, like, the oldest graffiti that we have found is, like, a dick joke, I think. Yeah, humans have been the same since forever and it's from like Greece like it like long long ago yeah anyway um I love all of the sexy puns in this movie they make me very happy and we've been recording forever so I guess I will move on welcome to the health and science section where we talk about science-y stuff and research that we did etc do you want to start 
yeah, I actually don't have a lot of things here. Okay. <laughs> Just because... So, first off, for people who haven't watched this movie, uh, this movie is straight-up science fiction. So many things about physics and biology and how ice works are just thrown out the window. So, I didn't even bother trying to be like, actually, that is incorrect. Except for, well, two things. I mean, Mr. Freeze's wings, which are like three feet long and also made of metal. And I'm like, that suit has to be like 500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You would need... You would need at least some polymer wings, my dude, to glide anywhere and not just fall straight down. Yeah. Uh, And number two, half of the plot of this movie is Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy using this expensive new observatory in Gotham to, like, try to create an ice age. And you would never put, like, an actual observatory that you want to see cool shit in the middle of a city because of light pollution. Maybe it's above the smog. Oh, light pollution. Yeah, you're right. Because it is tall, so I figured it was because it was above the smog. But it's like a lot of the like huge like observatories that like scientific research ones are like in the middle of a forest. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. That's because you need to not. It needs to be dark, dark. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. See shit. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll th- I was not going to even try to like pick up all of the scientific inaccuracies. Yeah, know? totally. Because I'm just like, you know what? I'm having fun. Right. Fast and, Fast and Furious also defies physics all of the time. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, we're in a comic book. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I meant to look up and didn't was whether there's like actually any properties to diamonds that cubic zirconium doesn't have. Because I was like, couldn't he just build his own giant diamonds? Like... I mean, the only thing I could think of is that since diamonds are, like, the hardest, like, Mm. mineral, that, like, you need other diamonds to even, like, crack or destroy them. So maybe you need a, like, something that's not going to crack in order to power his suit. Yeah. So. But what about his, like, giant weapon thing? That seemed like it was just using them for, like, refracting or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But It seemed like you could just use glass at that point. Yeah, totally. But maybe not. Also, well, maybe in 97, you couldn't make diamonds yet. Because now you can, like, get diamonds made out of, like, your loved one's ashes. You just, like, send them and they super compress them. Yeah. Which is, like, also a cool thing to do with your remains. I'm just like, what if I did that and then just gave all of my my friends jewelry of me? I mean, it is cool. It's very expensive. But, like, cool. Yeah. Anyway. All right, I just have a few, I have a, my last couple of things are just some fun trivia. Yes, I don't, I usually don't look things up because I want your trivia right. to be fresh, so. All right, so uh, Mr. Freeze, his character here, is a, is actually a conglomeration of Mr. Freeze being a, like, doofy character from, like, from the, like, 60s Batman show. But his whole background with his with his dead wife and finding a cure is from... Batman the Animated Series was the first people to be like, let's give him a like tragic background and make him a tragic character, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, I mean, just always very sad. I think like it's in, in, like, in this movie, you're just like, you're just trying to save your wife. I'm like, I don't, that just seems so relatable. Yeah. Uh, for like, as a character motivation, especially when it's like, oh, I am a scientist. I can like find this thing. I just like need more time and also not to die. <laughs> Right. Because my body is, needs all these uh, accommodations because of this terrible workplace accident. Right, exactly. 
Uh, and then my last piece of trivia is actually about the soundtrack. Okay. Which I didn't I didn't listen to, but there's a whole thing on TV trips about it because it has like Smashing Pumpkins, like R. Kelly, unfortunately. But the funniest thing is that Jewel like re-recorded Foolish Games for the soundtrack, and like the the version from the soundtrack is like one of her hits <laughs> of like ninety seven. <laughs> and I'm like Number one, why, why would you have Jules games in this movie? <laughs> and also, I'm just like, I mean, good for her. That's an excellent song. But I'm just like, what? It's so weird. <laughs> I don't think so any of... Weird. I don't think there was anything that wasn't like instrumental score in the version that I was watching, is it? No, there, there, isn't, there isn't like music with lyrics in the movie. I think there's a couple of songs during the credits. So I'm like, I don't even know why this soundtrack even has jewel <laughs> interesting i wonder because sometimes they don't like have the rights for like it's not syndication but you know like home yeah. streaming doesn't have like the, they don't get the rights for that as well as like the theatrical yeah. release so i wonder if it was in the movie originally and then they didn't interesting couldn't put it in the streaming version yeah i have to, I have to look that up i just thought that was deeply funny that is really funny i'm trying i'm like that's a montage song is there a montage moment in this movie i don't think so <laughs> yeah i don't know it sounds yeah i don't know where this would be playing you know maybe when bruce and his girlfriend of the week are like breaking up yeah <laughs> she's so, so great by the way i really respect her being like no we're, we're either getting married or we're breaking up like but it's she's like no i'm like proposing to you like make a decision i was like fuck yeah get it Woman of the 90s, you're not waiting for some man to propose to you. <laughs> yeah, she's not just a socialite. She's like probably like some fancy lawyer or something, which she's like, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, right. This is the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> All right. We did it. What a great conversation. It. Yeah. Listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the things. And until next time. Make Batman fun again. Yeah. I um, want to propose, though, we're going to need a bigger cave. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put both of them in there. That's perfect. Okay. Okay. <laughs>